0: Head to nextreel.com slash merch. Every purchase helps
1: us continue to have these weekly in-depth conversations. So visit thenextreel.com slash merch
0: today. And as always, thanks for listening and being a part of the Next Real community. We've got lots more great movie chats coming your way. We
1: wanted to take a moment to thank you for your continued support over the years. It's hard to believe that we've been having weekly in-depth discussions about movies since 2011.
0: That's right. Twelve years and counting. Producing this show is a labor of love for us, but it does require a lot of time and effort each week.
1: If you enjoy our podcast and would love to help keep it going, there are some easy ways you can show your support. One is by using our Originals page to shop for the original source material that movies we've discussed were based on.
0: That's right. In season one alone, we covered 13 films adapted from books or plays, from Charlie Kaufman's adaptation to David Fincher adaptations like Fight Club.
1: In season two, we covered even more, like Powell and Pressburger's The Red Shoes and The African Queen from our series about legendary cinematographer
0: Jack Cardiff. We can't forget about the four Jason Bourne movies we talked about. Love those movies. Well, the original trilogy, at least.
1: (laughs) For our Richard D. Zanuck series, we did Jaws, Rush, Big Fish, and more. And for our horror series, we talked about John Carpenter's The Thing, which was adapted from Who Goes There?
0: We did our first great car chase series with movies like Bullet, The French Connection, and Drive. And for the holidays, we did Preston Sturgis' Christmas in July.
1: We had a great John Huston series with adaptations like The Maltese Falcon and The Treasure of the Sierra Madre.
0: And for our baseball series, Moneyball with Brad Pitt. Have I told you lately how much I love that movie?
1: Uh, Yeah, I think you have. Plus, our Magician series and Heist film series had adaptations as well.
0: Tons of page-to-screen gems. Listeners can find the details and links to the original material at the slash originals. Every book, play, or movie you buy through our links helps support the show, and it's no extra cost to you.
1: So dive in and get your next read today. the slash originals has all the films adapted from other sources that not only we have covered, but all of the shows on the Next Real family of
0: podcasts. Check it out and get reading. Support the show and build your reading list. It's a win-win. Head to thenextreel.com slash originals. I'm Pete Wright. And I'm Andy Nelson. Welcome to The Next Reel. When the movie ends, our conversation begins. In just a matter of seconds, you're going to hear a classic episode of this show from back in the day when we called ourselves Movies We Like. So thank you everybody for downloading and listening to the next reel. We appreciate your time and attention, and we hope you enjoy the show. Push the button. <laughs> that was kind of Peppy lepier i got this. have got this.
1: I've got this cold right now, so it gives me a movie theater trailer voice.
0: That's good. That's good. You should send that in somewhere.
1: I'm, I already have. I've sent it to all of the big studios.
0: But have you really? Nobody wrote you back, huh? Because I assume you wouldn't be here with me if they did.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, you—that's
0: mean! Wow. How's your uh, How's your work? How's your work? Uh, Are you How's your uh, How's the documentary good. on Joe?
1: Good, good.
0: When am I gonna see it, Sheriff soon. Joe Arpaio?
1: Soon, soon. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs>
0: looking forward Sometime to that. Sometime in the next year. I'm looking forward to that in a big way feel like we've been talking about it a long time.
1: It's going to be fun. It'll be an interesting one.
0: Uh this is the Next Reel. I'm Pete. Pete right? And I and That's I'm Andy. Andy. That's Andy right over there, Andy Nelson. We're but glad I'm not Andy could... Wright. <laughs> no. You we're glad all of you could be here with us. Uh you should uh, uh you should be listening to the show on iTunes where you can subscribe for free and make sure you don't miss a single episode of uh, Movie Awesome. And uh you can head over to the nextreel.com. And uh, check out the blog there, check out uh, all the past episodes and detailed show notes and all the other kind of good stuff that websites are good for. Um, Facebook's where all the discussion happens. The good and kindly Steve Sarmento is also posting heavily over there, joins us regularly on the film board. And uh, what else am I missing?
1: I'm feeling kind of subdued. Did you talk about iTunes?
0: Yeah, I did. That was the first thing. Were you here just now?
1: I was. I just thought you should mention it again.
0: No, 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 I did. That was good. I heavy I, upped on iTunes this morning. I, I like evening.
1: to. Uh, I like to get those five star reviews. You do. Out.
0: <laughs> you do. <laughs> You're fueled by those five star reviews. That's right. Um, so yeah, no, I'm. I I heavy up on that stuff. I'm because I'm excited to talk about our movie tonight. We're gonna. We're we're talking about uh, 2006. Um, we're t- this Originally, our series was on uh, movies about magic, and the two big ones that Andy and I like so much are The Prestige and The Illusionist. And if you haven't heard us um, talk about those shows, uh, go back and listen to, episodes, uh, to the last two episodes uh, that you'll find on the website or in the iTunes feed. Um, we like those movies a lot. It is ironic that they were, I, I think, ironic or uh, kismet. That they were both released in the same year, and it was only on researching those two movies that we discovered that we'd missed a Woody Allen movie. Right, you hadn't seen this film, right?
1: I had not, and I I think you had neither. Had I you? had
0: not. I had not. Yeah. And so this was uh, the Woody Allen's 2006 Scoop,
1: and Cause we, we had a totally different magic movie oh, picked yeah. out. Yeah, but then we decided, you know, it seemed kind of. Perfect to since we had three slots for magic movies, why not talk about the three magic I, movies from two thousand
0: six? Exactly, and so it sem- seemed like something that we really, um, we that it was it, it was required by the universe that we actually do all three movies from two thousand six. And whether or not we come back to uh, catch up on other magic movies in subsequent years of this show will really depend on whether or not it was worth it to yeah. talk about scoop. <laughs> <laughs> And uh, so, while the jury is deliberating, let's talk about trailers. Who's first? You are.
1: I'm first because you just don't want to talk about mine. <laughs> I
0: don't, you do this.
1: <sighs> I am just excited.
0: I uh, I watched this movie and I the trailer of this film and my I'm not going to lie to you my heart beat uh, faster.
1: That was a very creepy little bit at the end of the that trailer, was wasn't so, it? so, so creepy. It was really creepy. Creepy, creepy, creepy. Baby. He has the baby. He <laughs> has the baby. <laughs> We're talking, of course, about the new trailer for Insidious Chapter 2 that uh, just came out. The first Insidious was a great, uh, a very pleasant uh, horror surprise <laughs> I liked quite a bit. Uh, I mean, I had my issues with it, but I had a lot of fun with it. James Wan directed it. Uh, Lee Winnell wrote it. Um, I actually had the chance to talk to the two of them after their first big breakout film, Saw, uh, came out a number of years ago. And uh, I've just, you know, they're great guys, and I've always enjoyed seeing the path that they've taken in the films that they've made. And I think that they've, you know, they've had their, their misfires, but I think for the most part they've done um, a pretty good job of coming up with some creative, uh, uh, horror films that I've enjoyed quite a bit. So, um, and it looks like James Wan is actually on board to, uh, to take the helm of the next in the, in the Fast and Furious saga. So that'll be his next project. Wait, wait
0: wait, 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 Furious Fast and Furious 7?
1: That's right. It's already in the works. What? It's going to be a series that will go on forever. This is one of the most crazy popular movie series franchises. It's crazy.
0: That's unreal.
1: I know we're gonna probably have to talk about the series one of these days.
0: Don't say that. <laughs> Don't say that. <laughs> I, I've, only, I, I've seen uh, I've seen four of them. I think
1: I've only seen the first two, and the second one was so bad that I didn't watch anymore. But I keep hearing how good they are. Wait, so
0: gonna, which one was Tokyo Drift? Was that that three? was number three? That was yeah, three. yeah. And I saw I definitely saw that one, yeah. and. Uh, that's uh, that's amazing. I guess I mean, you know, it keeps making money. This yeah. one, this uh, number six, they they uh, pull out well. all put out uh, apparently not quite all the stops if they're making a seven, but most of the stops have been pulled. I hear from from right. the production of Fast and Furious Six. Yes. I don't think you can do that with real cars. What they do? <laughs> I don't think my I don't think my you Saturn. I don't think my Saturn will pull those kinds of stunts.
1: But but back to Insidious Chapter 2, oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, which is what we were talking about. Yeah. The trailer for this, you know, the first one is incredibly creepy. This one also looks incredibly creepy. The first one ends on, you know, one of those great horror jump moments. So, you know, there's going to be more story. And uh, they pick up from that and it, uh, you know, looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Same cast is coming back. You got Rose Byrne, Patrick Wilson, the same kid. You got Barbara Hershey. I I just uh, think it's going to be a lot of fun, and I just can't wait.
0: I'm I'm excited for you. I can't wait to hear what you think about it.
1: September 13th, Friday the 13th is coming out.
0: Of course it is. Of course. Oh, goodness. Can't wait for it. (laughs) Uh, And because of that, my title is an actual uh, Retribution uh, trailer as well. (laughs) That's right. Um, And uh, this one is because I know your fondness for Luc Besson films. Uh, that uh, we have the uh, September 20th release of the family, uh, written and directed uh, directed by Luc Besson, written by Tonino Benacquista, who wrote the novel apparently, and uh, Luc Besson
1: and Malavita, and according Malav- to the the credits in the in the trailer, uh, also co wrote the novel. Yeah. I don't know. Oh, Mala-
0: just is. lots of co writing. Mm-hmm. Lots of team writing in this film. The cast is interesting. Robert De Niro, Michelle Pfeiffer, and Tommy Lee Jones uh, headline the cast. Uh, we know now what Diana Agron has been doing in her hiatus, her various uh, hiatuses from Glee. She is the daughter in this film. Uh, it is a boy. Does story. she terrify me? <laughs> she is. Uh, she's uh, unwell.
1: Don't mess with her. She,
0: she, and and her brother are are mm-hmm. unwell in this film. This is a tale of a mafia family uh who's put in witness protection and where do they go? To France. And so there they are in France and it's about the havoc. The havoc that they uh they raise. Do they raise havoc? What do you do with havoc? You Uh-oh. gotta do something with havoc. I'm missing a I think you I'm raise missing an idiom.
1: Yeah, you raise havoc, don't right. you? Reek. You raise reek you havoc. wreak havoc. You raise you. cane.
0: There you, you go. Wreak havoc raise cane. And both of that those sounds- things
1: it sounds like a movie title, Wreaking Havoc and Raising Cain. <laughs> <laughs>
0: uh and so they do all of these things in France and and uh it ends up being a uh, just an uh, a violent explosive all around uh Besson French action spectacular. I'm very much looking forward to it. It looks like a a, a lot of fun. I like seeing uh, De Niro in it uh, as always and um yeah, I think it's been a while since I've seen Michelle Pfeiffer uh in in a film, and it just every time I see her I makes me think of the fabulous baker boys
1: every time i see her i fall in love with her again yep 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 just in, in her
0: in the fabulous baker boys <laughs> that's that's <laughs> my, her cav- my caveat to everything <laughs> yeah, she, um, she, she
1: was she had a great spell in the 80s and 90s she, she really did
0: certainly did so i'm very excited for this film i think it's i think it looks great i like luke Besson more than you did and i have you i wish i had you on the record because just minutes ago you said okay that looks kind of good
1: i didn't say kind of good i said that looks really good
0: You did? I don't think you said really. You sound much more enthusiastic now. Now now you have it on record. I
1: am actually quite excited about this. This actually looks like a really good film. I am going to make that. I'm very excited. Say that one more time.
0: (laughs) No. I'm making it. No, it's going to be my ringtone. (laughs) Uh, I am very excited. I am very excited. Me likey. (laughs) (laughs) Done. Ringtone. Done. <laughs> that's what we're uh that's what we're excited about coming up. Uh I you know, I want to add uh I want to add something. This is a this is a spontaneous trailer discussion. Spontana oh. trailer. Um it, you know, we do we've I've mentioned a couple of video game trailers in the past um it, that I, I found particularly interesting. Um but there was a uh you know, the Xbox One is the new xbox you know xbox gaming machine that's coming out for microsoft they're going to announce more about it this uh, uh next week at uh, the electronic entertainment expo in vegas and the, uh, one of their launch titles is call of duty uh ghosts right have you heard of this thing no or maybe it's modern warfare call of duty ghosts 2013 video game and um I'm not going to be able to get his name right because you uh, you know as the holder of all things uh, uh of all pronunciations his his name is Stephen Gagan I believe G A G H A N right Stephen Gagan Yeah uh, he's one of my faves He's one of your faves right I know this I, I he uh, wrote Traffic uh, and co-wrote Traffic. He also wrote the uh, the video game uh, Call of Duty: Ghosts. And and if you haven't seen the trailer for this thing, uh, you you need to go see. Just uh, we'll put the link in the show notes the to, to, to the uh, YouTube launch trailer for Call of Duty: Ghosts. It's a uh, it is, um, you know. It's right up there at the top of fantastic, uh, you know, cinematic military trailers, Uh, and and it's coming for this video game. You can tell it's just got such a story, uh, a deep uh, story to it. There is another one for the PlayStation 4 uh, that looks equally good, and I suddenly it's totally escaping me what the name of it is, Um, uh, but it's one that has about the most... um, invested oh last of us that that's another one we're going to put in there and that's actually for for ps3 it's not for the ps4 it's another game uh, last of us where uh it it's one of those um end of civilization uh like 12 years after you know the fall of civilization and so there's a little girl and there's a guy and a woman and they're trying to make their way across the country running from uh infected uh zombie-like people and um but in until you see the trailer and game footage you don't quite realize w- the humanity that they put into this game it's I, I think this is this next cycle of of game machines is is um, we're we're climbing up off of a of a, a plateau we've been on for a while in terms of the um, the intricacy of storytelling and um i i think the next climb is going to it it's going to make um it's going to be we're we're going to see some pretty compelling stories so well, Last you know, of Us and Call of Duty Ghosts.
1: It's quite a uh a money making machine, the video game industry. So you can yeah. see why a lot of people like Stephen Gagan, Oscar winner, Stephen Gagan. Oscar are, winner right? are jumping over and working in that yeah. industry now.
0: Yeah. Um okay. That's all I've got on Trey. Do you have anything any other uh, any other old business? Nope. All right. Let's move on to a new business. Let's. So Scoop. <laughs> right. Um Scoop. Okay, (laughs) so you know it's Woody Allen, and there are some things that are uh, that that come with Woody Allen that are fairly pretty. Do you mind uh, if I if I launch into this a little bit? You can I go first. You go first. All right. Uh, So you know. We did this because it's in the middle of our magic series, and so, you know, obviously it's going to have something to do with magic. Uh, It is Woody Allen. It's also a comedy as a function of being Woody Allen. And as it happens, as with many uh, Woody Allen films, there's also a kind of a murder mystery that goes on there. So it is a, a, a magical murder mystery comedy. And I, I haven't yet figured out the the just the perfect concatenation of all those to create a new subgenre, but I'm sure it'll come <laughs> as a result of this film. Uh but I I've been thinking about it in terms of those three kind of areas and to, how does the film function in in those three broad categories, right? So first, uh, in terms of its use of magic, sticking with our theme. Uh yeah, you know, Alan plays Splendini. The you know he's a a stage magician, sleight of hand magician, you know, box magician. He does all the the standard sort of tricks. Um, and as such, magic is not a central cast member of this film as it was in in the Prestige. You know, when the when the film really is about or a function of the magic that's going on on stage, it was right. It was very powerful. It is. It's neither really a setting. Uh, as it was in *The Illusionist*, right, where magic was just sort of the overall environment, but really the story was a love story, and 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 so it was kind of a different take on how magic was applied in the storytelling of, of *The Illusionist*. Um, and and so without it being really a functionary or a setting, it's left as this sort of sideshow, and both literally and figuratively, uh, only really serving as kind of an excuse to move this otherwise plotting crime story. Uh, along for us. And so, in, in that respect, magic, you know, isn't really a, a player. So, how does it function then as a murder mystery? Well, uh, you know, it, it's sort of a rehearsal of the, uh, uh, I'm sorry, not rehearsal, a reversal of the complexities that we saw in uh, The Prestige and The Illusionist. And certainly in our very special episode, uh, Now You See Me which went way the other way in terms of complexity, Uh, this is a massive oversimplification of the most trite uh, a murder mystery that you know you could craft it is mm-hmm. it is the textbook murder mystery from the moment you meet him Hugh Jackman did it i'm sorry if you wanted to <laughs> see this you know he did it and you know Scarlett Johansson was going to fall for him and you know somehow that Woody Allen would end up on the barge of death before <laughs> i mean the moment the movie opens you know that those three things are going to happen and you don't necessarily have to be cynical you just have to be awake to figure out if those uh, to figure out those three um uh, who done it. And and so it it doesn't really work as a as a murder mystery for me. And finally as a comedy, uh you know, you expect it to be a Woody Allen film and I wanted so desperately for to to laugh uh at this film and uh you know, Allen has some of his great zingers, you know, converting from being a Jew to being a narcissist is you know, those are some great one-liners that that you find him throwing out uh, about. But um overall I couldn't get over this fact or this this tendency for Woody Allen's main characters to be written so much in his own uh in his own image that they're no longer funny. Scarlett Johansson is a female Woody Allen in this film, and it's extremely difficult to watch. It's it's not funny. Um and uh and and so it it falls flat. I think on all three fronts, this film falls flat. I'm done yeah. You, yeah what do you got
1: uh, my assessment of this film i i don't i i agree with you on all counts <laughs> every point that you have um but even with it falling flat for me, I didn't dislike it i I felt it you know it was enjoyable enough to go through it didn't hurt me in any way <laughs> yeah like it it didn't it it didn't pain me. I didn't have a problem with uh, Scarlett Johansson, um, in intrinsically in the nature of her kind of being this this comedic Woody Allen character, um, I uh, Woody Woody Allen esque type of character. I enjoyed seeing her doing something a little different, actually, even though I don't think she did it that well. Um, but it was nice to just see her doing something different. I, I think for th- for that, I I found a little you know more interest in watching Scarlett Johansson just trying something, even if it was even if it wasn't quite right for her. Uh, and um, the whole thing felt very stagey to me. Everything on the uh, the barge of death felt like I was watching a stage show. It all just had that look. It, it I mean, this was a very low budget film. We'll we'll talk numbers more a little later, but it, I mean, it was a very low budget,
0: like $15, the, well,
1: 4 million. It was a little more than 15, but 4 million, which is yeah. in today's standards. I mean, Hugh Jackman alone got paid 20 million for his role in Wolverine. Right. And that's five times the budget of this film. You know, it it's not a lot of money, but you know, Woody Allen makes these movies on very low budgets. They make their money back and that's why he keeps cranking them out every year or two. I, You know, I guess, you know, my sense of this film is, you know, the magic was not really magical. I mean, you know, the the one caveat to that is of all the magicians that we've seen in all of the films we've talked about magicians in, this is the only film where a magician, in a way, ends up actually doing some real magic by, by doing his trick. And it actually, unintentionally, probably, but brings back a guy from the dead. And I don't know if I'd call that his magic, but it uh, just yeah. happens to happen in his trick. So maybe I'm giving him credit where it's not due, <laughs> but <laughs> but still, at least there's some real, real magical thing happening in this film, which hasn't been in the other films. Well,
0: there was um, magic going on in the other. What are you talking about? It
1: was it was illusion. You know, it was all uh, uh, the all right. prestidigitation. Whereas this, you know, it, you know bringing a guy back from
0: the dead. You know, what can I say? Hey Tesla man, they made copies of people.
1: Oh, it's that science. That was pure science.
0: <laughs> that's going to be my next ringtone. <laughs> that was pure science.
1: That was pure science. <laughs> so, but but on the whole, yeah, like, I wasn't pained by this movie. Like, I was watching Now You See Me. And maybe it was because I was really looking forward to Now You See Me, and I have certain expectations that are already kind of on a lower level when I watch Woody Allen movies, which is... I probably shouldn't have lower expectations because it is Woody Allen. He's made some great films. But, you know, in recent years, I don't think – I haven't been as much a fan of his – and, well, see,
0: and on that front, you and I disagree because I, you know, I'm a huge fan of Midnight Over Paris. And uh, right. I think that's one of my very favorite Woody Allen films. And and for me, you know, having not seen Scoop prior to this week, uh, I feel like Midnight in Paris harkens back to, you know, the, the greats, the Annie Halls, the Manhattans, you know, the, the, the Woody Allen of the 70s. Um,
1: yeah, sure. And, you know, I mean, you're right. I think in... A large part Midnight in Paris is probably the you know a, a step in the right direction for him, but you know he when you crank out films as often as he does every you know year or two years, you're bound to have hits and misses. It's not always going to be you know perfect quality films.
0: And we it's, we should we should 100%. underscore. I mean, he's as a writer. Uh, it, you know, he's got 71 titles to his name as a director of 49, um, uh, you know, an actor of 44. He is, he's an extremely prolific filmmaker uh, from, you know, from the 1950s. Um, and 60s. Uh, well, I mean, you know, he was, he's got a lot of TV. Um, oh, sure. He was a TV writer from starting in 1950, uh, writer for Sid Caesar. You know, I mean, he's, he's been around for a long time. And so, you know, everybody has cycles. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh and, and you know, there are some things that are really very Woody Allen charming in this film that I that I think he does very well. And and for example, the the Barge of Death, I think, is a uh it, i I think it's fantastic. I really like the idea of it. It's like the the closest thing to um you know, to my conception of death that I've seen on film so far, you know. <laughs> uh it is it it's a great uh it, it's a great bit. And I think that's the the charm that Woody Allen tends to bring to these projects, which is um you know we're going to take the supernatural and we're going to make it absolutely as pragmatic and earthbound as we can um it, you know it, and he's been doing it since you know everything you want to know about sex but we're afraid to ask you know i mean we're the, the uh, you know the sperm characters were you know you know as a jewish sperm i mean it was just a fantastic bit that mm-hmm. that takes this sort of stuff that you can't Conceive of and make it really very human, yeah. Um, and and I like the charm of that. I like the charm of his Splendini character, um. And uh, but uh, so so there's I, I think there is stuff to like here. But like you say, like I you know it didn't pain me. It's like I'm a diabetic, but my toes haven't quite started to fall off yet. Like it, it's it's a movie that doesn't necessarily affect me, but it doesn't do a whole lot of good to me either.
1: Yeah, you know I I happened upon this website which is actually, uh, you know, if you're a fan of Woody Allen, uh, it's probably a website you should check out, everywoodyallenmovie.com, where this, <laughs> this guy named, uh, what was his name, Trevor, a website development uh, by day guy, uh, basically went through every single Woody Allen film chronologically and wrote up reviews of them. And I think he sums it up really well in this line, in the opening of his uh, bit about Scoop. Um, Watching Woody Allen's mid-2000s movies is a lot like watching a band on a half-assed greatest hits tour If you're a big (laughs) enough fan, it's fun just watching them go through the motions But if you're a casual fan or a non-fan, nothing could be a bigger waste of time And that's really the best way I can think of uh, to describe Scoop The truth is I enjoyed it But I'm also a guy with his own Woody Allen fan site If I force myself to think about it intellectually I have to admit that Scoop is almost entirely devoid of artistic worth So you know on the surface level yeah you know it's it's you know a a very slight you know kind of easy to watch and easy to forget type of film
0: here's the the the, the um some other reviews uh, that uh, i was i was kind of playing with first of all i always start with um you know with the the ebert and um i i particularly like this bit Does it mean anything anymore to describe a new Woody Allen movie as a, quote, minor Woody Allen, end quote? He's been stuck in minor for so long, Matchpoint looked like major to some. Bullets Over Broadway was a delightful comedy, but in 1994 it seemed lightweight, even compared to Love and Death, after the likes of Celebrity, Small Time Crooks, Jade Scorpion, Hollywood Ending, and the aptly aptly titled Anything Else. You wonder what Allen could possibly mean when he says Scoop will be his last comedy. Uh, mm. Which you know, I think that's a that's a funny thing. But then, in in contrast to that, we have um, the, Mick Mick LaSalle of the San Francisco Chronicle, who says, uh, and I just have to read this the the whole whole
1: bit. Yeah, it's pretty funny.
0: Scoop has something Matchpoint didn't, something that none of Alan's films have had quite to this degree in ten years. It's really really funny. Not funny, hehe, heh, but laugh-out-loud funny. Funny like you walk out wanting to tell your friends its best lines. Funny like you're walking down the street and remember a moment and start laughing like an idiot. That's probably very accurate. <laughs> Woody Allen has written himself an ideal role, creating a character in a situation that result in a continuous stream of winning bits. And he's paired himself with a partner in Scarlett Johansson who brings deafness and freshness to Allen's familiar comic universe. Yeah. Uh, in contrast, Stephen Hunter, The Washington Post, basically the movie decodes into a Hardy Boys-level mystery. It's not, of course, that comedies must display documentary realism of this sort of thing. You forgive anything in a movie if it's funny. Scoop is never funny enough, except for the odd, whiny Allen jibe. It, yeah, it's... I, I mean, I, the contrast well, in these... Uh, and he these goes movies, on to
1: say it's, it's Woody Allen's worst movie ever made. That's true. But, I yeah, I mean... <laughs> yeah. The truth must
0: be faced.
1: It's... uh you know, it's, it's interesting there. I think there's probably more people who, I I mean, I, from looking at the reviews, I think that those are very extreme in both cases. The rest of them seem kind of just, you know, middling to low, but nobody seems to outright hate it as much as Stephen Hunter. Nobody seems to outright love it like Mick LaSalle does. So it's interesting, you know, it's an interesting little film and, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's,
0: well, I, I, I feel know. like you know we need to talk. Let's first talk about Scarlett Johansson. Uh, you know she plays the um, uh, she plays the the journalism student who uh, happens on a big scoop when the spirit of a dead reporter appears to her in a magic trick in the Great Splendini's show and says, "I have a I have a scoop," mm-hmm. and, it, that's Play, who, and
1: that's and that's Ian McShane playing that McShane, one. Yeah.
0: Um, and so the scoop is, uh, that Peter Lyman, who's a son of a Lord in, uh, in London is, uh, the tarot card killer. And now she's on the hunt to try to uncover the murder or yeah. these the series of murders. And so what, what do you think of, of Scarlett Johansson? You say she's not, she wasn't as offensive as I find her portrayal of a feminine Woody Allen.
1: It, and again, it's just because I think for me, I just find it refreshing to see her doing something different. It's, it's not a, I, I didn't find it to be a painful performance. Uh, my wife found it very painful. I didn't find it painful. I, I just enjoyed seeing her doing something a little different than what she does otherwise, which is really just, you know, seems to be now what, more of the,
0: the, the action stuff, right?
1: Yeah. Well, what? you know, I guess she does have match point.
0: And I was going to say, what did you, what did you yeah. think of uh match point?
1: I liked her in both of those films and I liked both of those films. As but, did I. Yeah
0: a match point was was something different mhm all right all right so you yeah, but usually you like her right usually you yeah. you like scarlet giants because there are people who are kind of the binary folks they don't they just don't don't find what she does good
1: no i i like her i mean okay i've i've you know i think that she's done lots of films that i uh, i really enjoy uh and i mean the girl with the pearl earring is i thought she, a fantastic film i think she did a great job in that um, I mean, going all the way back to um, uh, The Horse Whisperer. I mean, I, I generally have always enjoyed seeing her on screen. I think she uh, does a good job. What was and, that what
0: was that sci-fi thing that Ewan McGregor, uh, what was that called? Yeah, the
1: Island. Yeah, yeah, The Island. Michael Bay. Michael Bay. Um, <laughs> you know, that's a, a terrible film. That was actually a film I, I felt would have been a really interesting, like, low-budget indie type of film. Yeah. Yeah. as opposed to the giant, over-the-top Michael Bay spectacle that he turned it into. Yeah. Because I liked the concept. I just think Michael Bay had no idea what to do with it. And I didn't I didn't think she did a good job in that, but I didn't think anyone did a good
0: job in that. <laughs> so. All right, all right. Fair enough. Yeah. Okay, uh, how about uh, Hugh Jackman?
1: This was really, I think, one of his most bland roles I've ever seen him in. You know, he's done much more interesting work clearly in 2006. We've already talked about the prestige and how I, I think he really brought a lot to that. This is just incredibly bland. He's this British son of a Lord and, you know, maybe or maybe not this killer, which is, it is pretty obvious that he, he did it or in some way is, is despicable and going to do something bad. And, uh, I don't know, I just, I really thought it was just a nondescript character and it could have been played by a nobody.
0: Yeah, and, uh, you know, it probably should have been. Uh, that's one of the things that I kept uh, coming back to in this film, that uh, the the part, the way it was written, is um, it, casting Hugh Jackman in this role makes it uh, sort of deceptively important, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it ends up being marginally important through the you know not as important as Hugh Jackman's casting in it would have led one to believe right um it really could have been played by a you know a new face and and not um and not been quite so um i i don't know bland i think it did not do it it did not do wonders for for him certainly there was no there was no real range for it it was it was as kevin costner performances i've ever seen
1: well, and that's that's in a film where he has a lot of names in it. And, uh, you know, maybe this is what happens when you're Woody Allen. He can put people like Hugh Jackman in a, a role of little importance. I mean, he certainly does that yeah. with plenty of other people in this film. Um, you, you know, big name people like uh, Julian Glover mm-hmm. is, I mean, he's just like almost just a i mean he's uh, he's Hugh Jackman's father he's in for like one little scene and then he disappears and that's it charles dance is in mm-hmm. uh very briefly you know these people come on uh you know these woody allen movies just just to be in a woody allen movie i think that's probably why they do it and it it sometimes it does disservice to the film when you get people in roles that seem by putting a person of that caliber in that role all of a sudden you're placing more of an importance on that role because right. it is that person and it doesn't help the story.
0: Well, and I you know, I should take a step back and ask, do you I mean, do you agree with that uh, assessment because in the end he is the murderer and do you think it would it it actually do you think that was a service or disservice casting him as casting Hugh Jackman as the character that ends up being the murderer?
1: I well, I you know, I think it was a disservice. Okay. Unless you're going to write the character p- to be more interesting. It's such a bland role that it's like, okay, well, he he's, it's such a bland role that it's kind of, it has to be apparent that he is the killer because otherwise, you know, why is this factoring into yeah. the story? Okay, There's I, no other reason.
0: Yeah, that's good. I just wanted to make sure we were on the same yeah, page. I wasn't you know, putting words in your mouth. Right? No. Um, uh, okay. So, and then, uh, you know, Woody Allen himself, you found uh, as, uh, did you fall in love with the great uh, Splendini? you know,
1: he's as Woody Allen as ever. And I mean, I always enjoy watching him. He always throws out, you know, pretty funny lines. And it's it's fun to watch him babbling on screen. Sometimes it works better than other times. You know, this time might have been a little worse. But you know, oddly enough, I did find his uh, uh, his repartee with Scarlett Johansson enjoyable when they kind of Take these, this, this fake identities as a father-daughter team. I, you know, I don't know. They they played off of each other well, even though uh, Scarlett Johansson had to deliver lines to him sometimes that just that felt too Woody Allen like. Yes. you are a cynical crepe hanger who always sees yes. the glass half empty. I'm like Scarlett Johansson would never use the word
0: crepe hanger. <laughs> I mean, her, or her glass <laughs> or any hyphenate. Oh. <laughs> I uh, No, I agree with you, and I think that's one of the things over the course of the film that you, once they take on this shared mantle of father-daughter crime fighters, um, it, it, her performance sort of, to me, degrades the more she becomes like, uh, like Woody. Um, you know, when she is on screen with her, you know, her dear friend that she's staying with, what's her... Um, uh, anyway, at their at their house, and not with Woody. Early in the film, I found her much more interesting when she's talking about you know the she's going in and shopping around this this story that she's landed. Uh, when she is uh, toward the end, when she's now uh, given up the facade and has come clean to to Peter Lyman's character and has said, you know, I'm telling the truth now. This is my real name. I'm not Jade Spence. I'm I'm now the real. Uh, the real woman, and let's go ahead and and go away to your to your cottage. Uh, you know, I found her more interesting there, even though totally unbelievable. Uh, yeah, but that you know, that's more of a function of the fact that I was completely lost on the story, or not lost. I'd given up on being interested in the story. Yeah, by
1: right, right, so. exactly. Okay. Yeah. I, you
0: know, I uh, yeah the movie sort of is what it is. It's a small movie. And to me, it's a disappointing movie, uh, to wrap up the first half of our magic heist series. Um, you know, on, on a rather anemic note,
1: but, you know, it's, it was interesting to see. I mean, Woody Allen, despite the fact that you know I, I do find him kind of hit or miss, he is one of those filmmakers that I, I do enjoy filling in the gaps. I, I like to go back and fill in all the little things i missed and see them. I mean, it's a Woody Allen film; he still has some funny lines, and and now I've seen it and I can check it off my Woody Allen <laughs> list.
0: <laughs> that is uh, that's uh, that's exactly my feel. And and going back through this catalog of seventy some odd movies. You know, I I have a lot to fill in, uh, decades yeah. to fill in. Um, you know, I went through. I, I think in the nineties, I went through an early Woody Allen uh, fetish, uh, and uh, you know, I I went to college. My first college was was Sun Yi. Do you know that? Did I ever tell you I that didn't. story? I did. What? Soon-Yi Pravin, his his now wife. That's uh, yeah. But that was during the uh, during the whole uh you know scandal right the scandal where he uh, yeah his now he, when he ran away with her and uh the mia farrow kind of thing and so that, that's when i went through my first big woody allen fetish and i went back and watched all of the 60s and 70s kind of the earliest a, ones
1: that's an odd time and an odd reason to kind of all of a sudden <laughs>
0: yeah yeah i know it it really is not uh i i didn't say i was a well person i was not a well person no but it was uh you know i I haven't really gone through the the process i've seen you know the modern woody uh, i have not given a whole lot of attention to Uh, Mm -hmm. so i feel like i need to go back and like you say fill in some blanks yeah
1: you know interestingly scarlett johansson's role as sandra was originally not written for her it was written for i i've read Different things. I've read it was written for an older woman. I've read it was written for an older man, but but
0: not now, a young
1: student. But a, not a young student. And after he worked with her on Match Point, he saw something in Scarlett Johansson. This sense of humor that he said had never been tapped into before. He really enjoyed that, and so he rewrote the part for her for this to be this young student so that it would fit her. And, uh, that's, uh, you know, he did that for her after match point and, and that's why they ended up working together on this one.
0: Yeah. You know, she's, I, I think, you know, he it's funny. Yeah, the whole idea that he found something funny in her, yeah. uh, when, and I don't know, obviously it's quite <laughs> subjective. <laughs> Didn't find anything really funny about the film at all. Uh, there's no accounting for taste. You,
1: you know i i didn't i did not laugh i had a, I had a few little chuckles so you know it it like i said it it didn't pain me it was it was light and uh, forgettable <laughs> what movie were we talking about again yeah right <laughs> so you say the movie made 4 million dollars no i said i mean it, it was, was made
0: for 4 million dollars made
1: <laughs> for 4 million dollars <laughs> oddly enough the the and uh, advertising budget was 16 million dollars wow Four times the budget. So total budget was $20 million. It actually did uh, pretty well for itself. Uh, for, I mean, Woody Allen films, you know, domestically, it made uh, $10.5 million. Internationally, it made almost $30 million. So it made about $40 million total. So it about doubled its budget. And for a movie that's only about 96 minutes long, it made a profit of $201,827 per finished minute. Wow. It still didn't beat The Illusionist or The Prestige in uh, profit per minute, but you know it beat out Shaun of the Dead. <laughs>
0: <laughs> not bad.
1: Yeah, not bad.
0: I didn't. Did you see anything that of note in the you know, Remy uh, mm-hmm. uh the cinematography of this film? Did you see anything of note that really jumped out of you as per- particularly, um, you know? stand, uh, you know, stand no, out it, tricks uh, or uh, the I, cinematography
1: it yeah. you know it looked very uh bland very you know made for tv almost nothing like what he did with Woody Allen in Matchpoint which i thought was a much better looking film or even about a boy elizabeth i mean geez even you know in good company johnny english i yeah. mean those films probably looked better than this film but again you know we're talking about a 4 million dollar film Right. This was, I mean, in even in Woody Allen's, you know, this, this, I should jump back to this, uh, thing uh, that, uh, Trevor wrote on every Woody Allen movie. Cause let me, he had something to say about that as far as budgets. Um, I think it was him. Yeah. Um, this interiors, which Woody Allen made, I don't remember, uh, how early that was what 78 he did interiors. He did that film for $10 million. Um, his first four comedies in the two thousands had an average cost of nineteen point five million dollars, so even for Woody Allen, this was a really really low budget film, so it's amazing that he did it for this amount of money. It's amazing he still got the cast that he did
0: do you, you Do know, you have quick access to Princeton Advertising and Budget for Midnight in paris
1: i I will have that in momentarily.
0: You know, I I think that's another interesting one though because that was uh, that movie to me appears vastly more sophisticated. And sure. cinematography was done by your favorite mine, Darius Kanji.
1: The the production budget for Midnight in Paris was seventeen million dollars. So over the four million,
0: yeah. But you could you could just I you know, I walked away from that movie just feeling much more um, intimate relationship with Paris and with the the setting and with the the facilities, the architecture, the you know, like I was much more involved in the you know, the small room sequences. And that was that was a sense that I walked away with from obviously from Panic Room Um you know yep. you get that same feeling from seven and the crime scenes like th- those were the things that we've talked about so many times when you look at at the the sort of the the visual strategy of these films and and you know this one like you say it's it's um it's it strikes me as very sort of polaroid in the most generic sense not the look what i can do with polaroid kind of sense well and he didn't even
1: ha- i mean uh manhattan murder mystery another yeah. little murder yeah a uh, story that he did in the, uh, when was that the mid nineties or so? Um, was a, uh, he didn't even play like visually play around with it. Like that one had like, if you, there was a, a bus that went by and there was a word on the side of the bus that, that would point you to the killer. And he really played around with that sort of stuff in that film that made it a really fun film to watch. Yeah. This film just, I mean, there's nothing about any of that. It was all just about this, you know, the, the, the it was really a very rudimentary plot in this film that uh you yeah, know it's, yeah. it's it yeah I, I don't know if it's a film that i would i, I it's certainly not a film i'd ever return to i don't know if it's a film i would really recommend to people unless unless you're a woody allen person and or a completionist and you really just need to see it
0: the big question is would you watch this before you would watch rush <laughs>
1: Yeah, that is the big question, isn't it?
0: Or, or an even bigger question: Would you watch this before you would watch Now You See Me?
1: I would watch the Now You See Me before this.
0: I think. I don't know. I think we're. I need. I think we need to dig in. We need to flick chart this thing.
1: The, um, you know, there's always these different reasons. Like, why would I watch that movie again?
0: That you know, I would now. You see me for me. I would. I will definitely watch Now You See Me, even though I, you know, I've had to choke back my insult at wanting to love that film much more than I did. Um, you know, I'll watch it again for the spectacle of it. I am not. I was thinking about this before. Um, you know, I think was it Steve who made some you know ridiculously snide comment about um, Man of Steel being a big budget movie and how he's tired of that. Did he? Was it he, Steve who said that. I don't remember. Well, I think he did. I'm going to blame Steve on that. I've been thinking <laughs> about that uh, that comment all week long, and i I think the real trick for me is, I am I'm not a man who's afraid to like a Transformers movie. Yeah, I'm not. Gonna, I'm I'm not going to lie to you. I I enjoy I enjoy myself a Transformers movie from time to time. Yeah, now, I, I, have not I a hear lot you. To that, but I have a good time watching it. Um. And so I will watch Now You See Me Again with that same sense of, this is total nonsense. It broke my heart the first time I saw it, but that doesn't mean we can't be friends.
1: Yeah. Go ahead. I, I probably would, too. I probably would watch Now You See Me. Um, I I I would say I will probably never seek out Now You See Me to put it on again, but I would say the same thing about Scoop. <laughs> <laughs> But it, but if the two were playing on TV
0: Side by side, one yeah, of them it, you're going to have to actively choose not to watch.
1: I I would probably pick I'd probably pick Now You See Me.
0: Yeah. All right. That's true. All right, let's rank it.
1: All right. Scoop or Cloud Atlas?
0: Cloud Atlas. I feel I like accept. we just need a buzzer.
1: That's right. Uh Clute. Clute. Scoop or Oz the great and powerful. Oh. I
0: would watch I, Oz I, the Great and Powerful.
1: I, I so badly want to say Scoop, but I can't. You can't. Uh, God, I hated Oz. <laughs> I know.
0: I know. Race to the bottom.
1: The fifth element. Or scoop.
0: <laughs> say it. Well, say
1: it out loud. The fifth element. And here we, now we are down at the bottom. Now you see me or Scoop. Now you see me. <laughs> and Rush or Scoop. Scoop. Thank you. Yes. All right,
0: man.
1: Wow. Race to the bottom. You're not kidding. 91 out of 92. Yikes. Yeah. Well, you know, this is Woody Allen's worst rated film. On on Rotten Tomatoes, this has, I think, 39%. It's his lowest uh, critical review of all of his films that he's ever made.
0: Uh, Hey, what did you say uh, uh, Now You See Me had on Rotten Tomatoes? Oh, it's.
1: I think it's lower than that, isn't it? Uh,
0: I don't know when, I, when when I saw it, I thought you said it was right around there thirty eight, thirty seven, thirty nine, somewhere in there. Anyway,
1: let me go look. I am going to look right now.
0: It's it it's a funny. I don't know. It's funny that we would end up uh, landing on a review of Woody Allen's uh, lowest rated film. I am very much looking forward to getting back into the uh, movies that we have seen and like, and that's what's coming uh, next.
1: Yeah, forty six percent is now. You see
0: me. Oh, good lord! It's gone up.
1: Yeah, it actually has increased. I think it was thirty eight percent when I told you about it last.
0: What are we doing? Uh, what are we doing next week?
1: Well, you know, we we now, even though we're a week uh, because the you know the schedule always changed with Now You See Me, we're a week behind with our uh, with our switch from the magicians to the heist films. Right. Now You See Me was our pivot point for that. Uh, now we're going into heist films, so we've got uh, a, a few fun heist films to watch and quite looking forward to them.
0: Are we going to talk about what, what we're going to do next week? Well, I think, hide it?
1: I think we should say all four of them. I, I'm, I'm with you. Do it. I think we should say them, and then I think we should... Ask all of our listeners to go to our Facebook page or shoot us an email listing some of their favorite heist films, or tweet us, whatever is uh, your uh-huh. preference. Yeah, let us know, and we'll uh, maybe we'll swap one out. You never know.
0: Are we? Should we? Will just any one of them will swap out? Yeah, because there are some that I I want to do. Oh, I think
1: we. I really want to do all four. We'll we'll have to play this by year and see if we have a really popular one that everyone wants, and then you and I can chat about it and see. Or maybe we add a fifth film to our heist series.
0: I'd be open to that too. There you go. All right, all right. So uh, next week, at this point, the pl- as the plan stands,
1: next week we're doing the bank job.
0: That then, was the uh, that was from what year was that from? It was that not, was two thousand eight. Uh, was it I think or it was eleven? Two thousand seven or eight. For yeah. this was uh, Jason Statham, the yeah. based on the the London jewel heist.
1: Right. Yeah. I'm very much uh, looking forward to talking about that one.
0: Excellent. Uh, the next one is The Town.
1: Mm-hmm. Which, also looking forward to talking about that one.
0: Very much looking forward to talking about that one. Actually,
1: all of these I am.
0: I, me too. Uh, and then we're going to be doing uh, The Inside, Inside Man. Man. I'm oh, I'm so excited about this one. And finally, uh, at this point, we are looking at The Killing. Yeah, Stanley Kubrick. Uh, Stanley Kubrick. And that'll be our 4th of July. Uh, explosive. Explosive 4th of July <laughs> Uh, extravaganza heist extravaganza right. so uh, but it, you know obviously we are you know we these are just the the films that we've picked off our giant uh, compendia of uh, movies that we want to talk about but if there are other movies that you're interested in hearing uh, in, in carrying on a conversation uh, about we want to hear it so we'll post a poll up on the Facebook page and would love to hear your thoughts and, uh, uh, yeah. yeah I think that's uh, I think that's it
1: I think so. I think we've covered every nook and cranny that we could
0: of Scoop. Every nook and cranny that was obviously visible and interesting. (laughs) That's right. Um, That's it. So uh, head over to thenextreel.com and facebook.com slash thenextreel to contribute in dialogue and we'll we'll catch you next week. Anything else? Are you done?
1: I am so done.
0: Put a fork in it. I've been podcasting since 2006.